Hey everyone, welcome to my podcast show. My name is Isaiah, and this is the Game Time Gazette, where we talk real sports, real fun, always. We're talking American football, European football, NBA, NHL, MLB, all of that and more. Only thing for us left to do is have fun. Let's get right into it. Let's go. Hello, people of the world. It is your host of your favorite podcast, Isaiah Nenny, and this is the Game Time Gazette. Happy to be back here. Oh, I'm excited to talk about some sports today. I mean, a lot happened last night. And what's the one thing we say when a lot happens? Only thing to talk, only thing to do is talk about it, right? So we got Raptors versus Spurs. Seen some rookies do some out of worldly things. Gonna get dive into that. Got Indy versus Charlotte. I mean, I picked up this game just because it was one of the earlier games in the night. Pascal's on the uh, Indiana Pacers now, so got to supporting him a little bit more as well, former Raptor. Um, but that game was kind of unimpressive. You know, Charlotte did have a great game. It's just, you know, the we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Uh, we got Knicks against Rockets. Had a good game there. Rockets were up big early. Knicks were able to make a big comeback and then had a wild finish, so we'll dive into that as well. We got Bucks versus Nuggets. The Bucks able to finally get their first marquee win under Doc Rivers after firing head coach uh, Adrian Griffin. So we'll dive into all that and more. We got some Champions League to dive into and preview. I mean, Man City versus Copenhagen today, as well as Real Madrid versus RP Lepis. And then we also got a little bit of NHL to dive into. Gotta, gotta dip our toes in everything. Gotta dip our toes in everything here tonight. So let's get started with, uh, honestly, let's get started with the NHL hockey. You know, uh, you know, let's do nothing against the Calgary Flames at Madison Square Garden on Monday. Yeah, it was uh, Scherz-Tickens' 12th career shutout. Uh, the previous came in April 8th, 2023. He made 20 saves in that game in a 4-0 win. Yeah, and I mean, they were they were rolling. Nothing too much. Rangers, they've been playing really well. Uh, they continue to make that push as the end of the season uh, is coming up, and they're trying to hold that number one spot in the Metropolitan Metropolitan uh, standings, right, in that Metropolitan group. And they're currently number one with 71 points, trying to hold that, getting hot at the right time. Yeah, so move on to the next one. Jack Hughes has two points as the Devils defeat the Krakens. Uh, you know, Dawes makes 27 saves with Vanek una uh, unavailable because of injury. Uh, he had an illness for New Jersey, right? So Dawes comes in as the backup and makes 27 saves. But the big guy on the night was Jack Hughes. He had a goal and assist for the New Jersey Devils in a 3-1 win against the Seattle Kraken. And, yeah, I mean, he's been one of the better young players this season. You know, you just see his talent when he's on the ice. And, you know, it's hard to say that he's not a top, top prospect for the future with what he produces and what he gets done. Uh, being able to, I mean, this Devils team, uh, we, we know that they're, you know, not that they're, they're rebuilding but trying to finish up that 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 um get to the the you know the playoffs and get to all these different things and uh you know maybe deep playoff runs and players like Jack Hughes drafting him definitely helping them do that currently they're third in the wild card spot trying to chase against the Red Wings and Maple Leafs in a tight wild card there 
And yeah, you know, going to be interesting to see how it shakes up as the season continues to roll along. We'll continue to, you know, just keep coverage with everything, some playoff races, some big stories, some all of that. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next one. All right, so uh, the game of the night at the end of the night was the Golden Knights against the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Wild, right? And it was a great game. It was a 5-3 win for the Minnesota Wild. And, I mean, just seeing a great game between two great teams, Vegas Golden Knights have been hot. So the, the Wild to be able to come in here and just be able to, you know, get them, it was, it was, real, it was real impressive. Uh, Joel Erickson Irk scored twice. Um, he had a great game. You know, Brock Faber, Ryan Hartman, Khalil Kaprizov. They had each had two assists for Minnesota. You know, so and Minnesota now is three and zero since the All Star break. So look out for the Minnesota Wild. We like all season they've been playing good hockey, being able to defend and not only defend but score goals as well. Right, that's something that we've seen them be uh, improved on this year. And yeah, I mean, in that in that race for that wild card spot as well, over on the uh, on the west side of things, right? So that's a team that you know maybe a sneaky little team in the first round could could be a, a bother for one of these great teams over here, you know. But yeah, great game there, and that's hockey. As hockey gets more, you know, we'll get more diving into it, um, more analysis, more scores and all of that. I really just wanted to give a, a quick little talk on it um, because I said I would. And I said that we would dive into it a little bit. Don't want to disappoint you guys. But I do want to get to the like news around the association. A lot happened around the NBA yesterday. So let's get on it. First, let's start with the Raptors versus Spurs. I mean, first disclaimer. So nobody thinks I'm fake out here. It was so disappointing. I think that was one of the most one of the most one of the more disappointing losses of the season as a Raptors fan. I mean, <sighs> like, what are we doing, man? I understand that we're trying to tank, but it doesn't have to look so bad at times there last night it looked like those guys didn't even want to be on the court they looked so disengaged they looked so unprepared it looked so bad i was so you know you you seen you seen you know grady dick have a great game he had a great start four from four from the field two for three two from three that was in the first two quarters he had 10 points Ended the game with 18, four of eight, four or five from the from the three, seven of eight from the field, and that's even when I stopped watching. But yeah, he did end the game with those numbers. Really nice game. He's really been coming along for the Raptors. But Wembyamas, Wembyamas, he killed us last night. It's plain and simple. You know, you could, you had Pirtle out there. You had Olenek out there. You even had Scotty on him a few times. Ain't nobody was able to guard Wemba Yamas. It was impressive, man. It was impressive. He had a showing. He had a triple-double. But guess what he had a triple-double with? He had 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 blocks. My 
goodness. Ridiculous talk there from one Bayamas. I mean, in the second quarter, he had, you know, 9.30 left in the second quarter. He had one move that was just unstoppable. A little step through, jab, bucket. And it looked like it came out straight from 2K. I mean, straight from 2K. Like you built the my player, slender man type player, could shoot the three. <laughs> and yeah, just with handles. That's like his his build isn't even, I mean, wow. Wow. It was a really impressive game. It was one of his most impressive games of the season. It was impressive. It was impressive. But... It doesn't excuse the Raptors' effort. Um, even after the game, the Raptors, uh, let's, well, let's get through the game first and we'll talk about it after the game. Raptors had nine turnovers early for 16 points, allowing the Spurs to get a hold of the game one day. And they, the Spurs already started with a 10-0 lead. It just looked like the Raptors looked very, very lazy, very, you know, like they didn't want to be there to start the game. Very slow start to the game. We started like 0 of 6, 0 of 7 from the field. I mean, Scotty had one of his worst games all season. And against these other rebuilding franchises, you expect, you know, Scotty to have his best games. Just like Grady did. Because these are the games where both of the teams are both struggling. They're both struggling to defend. They're both struggling to, you know, play clean basketball on offense. And they're both struggling to, you know, obviously get good looks, all this and all that. That's why they're losing teams. But if a losing team's able to come in here and just control the game from top to bottom, like it's not even close, where it's like you're not even like the, the resistance is little to none. It just looks really bad. I mean, the Raptors... Uh, you know, ever since we've traded away Pascal, ever since we've traded away OG, I understand that we've been a top three team, a top three worst team in the NBA. But I didn't, like, you just don't expect, I mean, as a Raptors fan, we just know, like, after 10, 13 years, 10, you know, that kind of range of having consistent winning seasons, even just recently having a championship ceremony held in the city, it's tough to watch all this. For sure, it's tough to watch the Raptors just lose. Like, plain and simple, just lose and get beat down some days. Like, I mean, Devin Vassell had 25 points as well. He was on. I mean, that was, couldn't guard him as well. Not even just Wembyama. Devin Vassell was shooting it from half court almost. And it's like, you know, you just look at those type of things. Like, it was definitely Scotty, like, definitely on the scoring side of the basketball. I would say it's his worst game, Scotty Barnes, of all season. Um, just not, he was unlucky, you know, some points there as well, just unable to get the ball into the basket, able to do things, other things on the floor, though. Got nine rebounds, nine assists, which was impressive. But yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough game for the Raptors. I mean, the young pieces trying to do too much at times in the game, plus just the plain sloppy basketball already down double digits. It was a disappointing negative mainstay, it, you know, and it's been a disappointing negative mainstay of this team this season. You know that where they just play sloppy basketball at times where they're maybe down ten. 
And then it's just like the young players are trying to do too much as well, taking bad shots. There was multiple times in that game where we've seen, yeah, Scotty Barnes take some bad shots. He did get unlucky most of the times, but yeah, he took some bad shots. We've seen Emmanuel quickly. I think it was one of his worst games as a Raptor, shooting-wise, scoring-wise, everything-wise. He took some bad shots. Right, Grady Dick was really the one that, like, he was his shot selection was on point. Kelly Olynyk's shot selection was on point uh, last night as well. You know, but just that so shot selection, turnovers. I mean, turnovers were it was a problem all game. We had 19 turnovers. Spurs had 17, but it didn't even feel like that at times. It didn't. Because we just did it so often, so early, put ourselves in a hole so much as well that it just didn't feel like that. It's been a disappointing season, and I know Raptors fans are trying to, like, you know, it's hard for you to watch games. It's hard for... For, for anybody to digest what's happening with the Raptors. I mean, when they traded Pascal, that's when it got tough for me. You know, I thought we would, nah, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, having a loss at this point is a win. We're not hiding it. We're not trying to tank. I mean, we're trying to tank. So let's do it gracefully as a fan base, you know, like, Go on Raptors Twitter, and I feel it too, because I'm part of it. I'm coming like, what is, what happened to my beautiful team? But this is the stage of growth that you go to in the NBA. I mean, this is the, the life cycle that you have as a team in the NBA. You're born, you grow, you become the best version of yourself. You either win or you lose. And then you blow it up and do it again. That's how successful successful franchises have done it. That's how, you know, the Celtics, the Lakers, those guys, those guys kept themselves at the top because they always were able to blow it up and do it again. You know, so Raptors, um, we've seen trades happen in these in this last trade deadline and I think Messiah has been better uh has made better trades for the future this season uh, as opposed to last season or the season before where we were all calling on Messiah to like make some moves I feel like he has made much better trades this season you know after he didn't get all that he could have gotten despite him getting a decent return back for OG and Pascal, but getting O'Shea, getting more picks, getting cap space, getting Kelly Olenek, getting RJ Barry, getting Emmanuel quickly. Even though Canada isn't the most attractive free agent spot, we will have the money to be able to chase some guys maybe in the future. You know, like we will have the money to be able to I mean, in the NBA, we've seen it. Like, everybody just goes where you're able to get the most money nowadays, right? And even though Canada's cold, even though Canada has huge tax, like, it's hard. The tax that Canada has, it's, I mean, 
it's high. And especially for your MBA guys, they really look at that and come, okay, I don't know if I want to do this, this and that, but we'll have the cap space to be able to try and lure the guys as well. So we opened up the base and Masai has done a great job of being able to, you know, just, yeah, keep the options open. That's what you want to do in a rebuild. And not even just a rebuild, maybe it's just like you could call it a retool. We come back this year and we get like the sixth pick in the draft and we get a, we get a Reed Shepard, right? Maybe he doesn't end up in six. Maybe he comes back in seventh, but we, uh, or yeah, maybe he comes back in seventh. Maybe Raptors don't even get to keep their pick, but if they do, and they do keep their sixth round, I mean, their sixth, their first round pick, which would be top five, top six, at least if they keep it, because that's, that's what it is, right? Top six protected. A Reed Shepard, a Ron Holland, a Stefan Castle, a Kyle Filipowski, those kind of guys coming onto the team and being able to contribute, you know, looking down the line two, three years from now, you're looking at that OKC timeline, you're looking at that Minnesota timeline, you're looking at those teams that were able to deconstruct, rebuild, and build it well again. I mean, OKC and Minnesota did it really well because they're both standing at the top of their conference, right? They're both standing in that top three, and you could see that, yeah, they just did it really well. They laid out the plan. That is how it's meant to be done, right? It's going to be interesting to see as the, the months go on, as the weeks go on, you know, especially even with our coach. A lot of Raptors Twitter, a lot of Raptors social media has us saying, hey, let's fire Darko. Many casuals are blaming it on Darko, saying it's his coaching, calling him a tank commander. But honestly, I think he's the perfect coach for the young pieces we have, like Grady, Scotty, RJ, Quickly, and O'Shea. Because his offensive style not only encourages shooting, but moving the ball. Raptors tied the 40-year record of 25 assists as a team for 30 games that was set by the 1984-1995 Lakers. And, like, you know, that's you want to be able to build these young players and mold them into good basketball players that are able to move the ball, good offensive pieces, right? You want to see what the work he's going to be able to have with RJ, with Quickly, with Scotty. He just, this is his first year with Scotty. You know, the, the work that he's going to be able to have with these young guys. And, yeah, to be fair, it is a tank. It's hard to put all this blame on Darko and say that he, you know, I hear the arguments. People are saying he. it looks like the guys are just mad unprepared. And, it, I mean, at times it really does. It truly does. It's disappointing, but it really does. But do I think that that's all on Darko? No, I do not. I do not think that is all on Darko Ryakovic because, you know, even, yeah, let's talk about the end of the game. Scotty Barnes exits the game with a few seconds left and the, the game's not even over yet. We've seen Pascal Siakam do that a few years late, uh, before. He got suspended for a game, so you kind of expect that same type of treatment to be, uh, or same type of punishment to be applied here for Scotty. But 
You know, things, the, the simple things like that, Darko doesn't control that. He could really enforce it and really just be able to say, okay, like, you know, he like he did say after the game, that's unacceptable. You know, uh, that's not how he wants his young leader to be able to, or to portray himself, to be able to, you know, portray himself against the team. I, like, Scotty, all game, you could see that he was frustrated. We did see him make some bad plays, some bad passes that did result into turnovers. And there are some clips on social media where he, when he makes a, bit, a bad play and bad pass, he just kind of frogs back and the lazy walk back. And it's, it's a five on four. You know, it's already a disadvantage with the fast break, but Scotty's not even trying to get back, so it makes it even harder. I understand all of that, and I understand it. It's just hard in a tank. You you hope that with Scotty, well, for sure, though, because that's something that you want to, like, nip in the bud, so you hope with Scotty and Darko that that conversation is had and that Scotty, you know, being the, a leader of this team, I mean, we're trying to build the team around him, right? So you hope that Scotty's able to kind of find some, be able to, yeah, you know, come back, uh, be remorseful and be like, hey, that, that's not something that I, I'm going to make acceptable or something that I'm going to make a, a habit. And hope that that's, yeah, that's something that he doesn't make a habit, right? But... With everything else, you gotta have to give Darko time. He's only had a few months. You traded away the best players on the team while he just started, you know. So that kind of factor too, where he has to integrate all these new guys that he just received. He received like six, seven, eight new players, like six, seven, I believe, like six, seven new players, right? And has to be able to integrate them on this team. He didn't plan for losing Pascal and losing OG Ananobi before the season started. He thought that he were, we were going to end the season with them, you know. Obviously, Masai had different different outlook as well, thinking that we'd be able to – I'm saying we as the Raptors. I'm talking as, as, as the Raptors. Be able to – make it to the playoffs and make a, make a little bit of a run with the pieces that we had. I'm talking about with OG, and I'm talking about with Pascal, that team that we started the year with. Obviously, when we started the year, we seen that, yeah, that probably wasn't going to happen. The, the pieces just didn't fit, and the team just reached its limit. But you have to give Darko at least another year. I, I honestly feel like he's a decent coach that needs some time. He has a great offensive system. You know, so it's like if he's able to get these guys on the same page, if he's able to, you know, get one full season of of work, off season of work with these guys and, you know, maybe get a young, another young budding star added into the mix from the draft this season. Even, like uh, hopefully the Raptors have three picks, but we currently have two picks. So we're going to get two budding young stars, budding young prospects to come on the team, and you hope that, you know, he's able to have a positive impact on their game offensively to be able to turn them into some monsters. Raptors need a monster on their team. They need a Wembeyamas, you know? So got to give Darko some time. Got to give Darko some time. Got to have some patience. In the tank, got to have patience. 
All right, let's quickly go to the Indy versus Charlotte game. Indy lost a disappointing game against the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, watching that game, it, it just felt like Indy was – they just couldn't get their feet under them. You know, it was, a, it was a great start for Charlotte. It was a great start for Charlotte to start the game. I mean, we've seen some quick timeouts from the Pacers in that first quarter, uh, obviously granted – um, and, you know, Charlotte doesn't have too many of these games nowadays with LaMelo out as well. So, you know, it was a great game, you know, great game for them. Brought them their 12th win of the season. In the fourth quarter was really where I thought the game was won, right, for the Charlotte Hornets, obviously, just because it's the last quarter. But, yeah, just able to score points, score uh, score buckets there when the Pacers weren't able to. Right? Just able to get those timely buckets at the end of the game. Close out the game. Close out the game. And, you know, for Indy, they dropped some disappointing ones this season. Especially after the Siakam trade. I expected them to have, like, this boost that the Knicks team had after getting OG. I mean, OG is a great defensive player. He's a great offensive player. Don't get me wrong. He's a great piece, period. And, of course, he would boost up the next, uh, you know, the team that he goes to, especially just because the Knicks already had a great foundation as well. But I really did expect the same thing from Pascal, just being from, you know, just being a scorer, being able to play with Halliburton, one of the best playmakers and passers in our game today. I expected them to, you know, get a boost and wins, but we're still seeing the meddling around that ceiling, that ceiling and that, Five to, you know, I mean, five, I mean, four, if I'm being honest, if they really push, I believe that they could really get to four, but that they'll have to have some consistent, consistent play, be able to beat out the likes of the Magic, I mean, yeah, the Magic, the 76ers, the Knicks, Magic, the lesser one, being the lesser one, obviously, because um, they could beat out the Magic. But they, they'd have to be able to beat out the 76ers. I mean, 76ers don't have them beat for the rest of the regular season. So definitely makes that easier. But the Knicks with the way they're moving. But that's why I say five is that spot where they'd be able to get into if you're the, the, the Indiana Pacers. And that's where I see them being at their peak. That's where I see them ending off the season. Right, but you just expect it. I mean, for the Knicks, the Knicks could go as high as maybe three, maybe two if they play really consistent and get enough and and get some consistent play down the line. Like the Knicks are fighting to win the Eastern Conference this year. That's how good the Knicks are this year, and that's how you know. Not that I was expecting. I mean, the Pacers to to fight for the Eastern Conference this year. No, I didn't expect that. But I did. I didn't even expect this from the Knicks as well. But I did expect the Pacers to be marginally, marginally, ah, can't say it, <laughs> but a little bit better, especially against a team like the Charlotte Hornets, who struggled all season. Interesting to see. Interesting to see as the season goes on. That's something that you know definitely be covering because. Yeah, that's something that, like, I just, uh, you just expected different results coming from that team. Knicks, I think, have the best, or still have, it's either between them and the Clippers, best record in 2024. 
next to have one of the best records since they got OG. So it's like you just see it. Like OG's like twelve and two as a starter on the Knicks. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you know, Halliburton had a double-double with 13 points, 12 assists. Miles Bridges went off for the Charlotte Hornets. He, has 20, he had 20 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Really nice game for him. He's trying to command some money in the free agency this season. It's going to be interesting to see how everything works out for him. Let's move on to the Knicks and Rockets, though. Uh, Knicks were down 16 early and able to fight back and make it a game late in the third. And as much as I hate to say that this team has what it takes to win in today's NBA, you know, they have the shooting, some great trades made by the front office to get some spot of shooters like OG, Bogon, Burks. And that's already adding to the good core that they already had in their spot of shooter and, uh, shooters in DiVincenzo and Hart and others. Right. So just looking at it from that and and they improved defensively. Right. So. With OG. They've catapulted themselves as one of the best teams in the East and the NBAs ever since that OG trade. And then they made those other few trades to kind of even make themselves even better. I hate to say it, but they they do have a team that could win in today's NBA. They really do. And in this game... Uh, you know, they didn't have any OG. They didn't have Julius Randle. Both have been out by injury for a few games. But the Knicks still had a great game considering they were down 16, able to play really well in the second half, led by Jalen Brunson. But they were a horrendous, horrendous. It was so bad. I was watching it and I was, I, I mean, I just told you that I hate that the Knicks are good and that they're contending. So if I'm telling you that it was a horrendous call, believe me when I'm saying it was bad. And I mean it was bad. Jalen Brunson went to go on a holiday, on a holiday three, right? Went to go contest it. He didn't even touch him. Went on his side. I mean, if you watch this replay, it is so bad. It took the ref less than an hour to admit his mistake. He went on. I don't know if they had like a press conference. I don't know what they did. But the ref, just an hour after the game was done. <laughs> listen to this. Just an hour after the game was done, the ref, it, it ends up, it finds its way on social media that the ref admitted his mistake, that it was not a foul. Because it wasn't even that hard to see. Jalen Brunson did his best to not have any body contact. He stayed completely vertical as well. And this foul gave the Rockets three free throws with 0.3 seconds remaining in the game. And this is when the game was tied. Game was tied 103-103. I'm expecting OT, I'm expecting them to even overturn this call, and I feel like the NBA should do something about that. We've seen some horrendous calls here this year, and it's been bad. I mean, it has been really bad, but that was so bad 
that I, I I'm not even a Knicks fan and I got offended. <laughs> I'm not even a Knicks fan and I was like, what are we even doing out here? NBA has to do something about that. I mean, they added the extra challenge. If you win your challenge, you get your challenge back type. They added that, but it's not helping. It's not helping. The refs, just not the best. And I know their job is, comp it's, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world, for real. You know, I know it's because... Uh, you know they they're in they're in the NBA they're in professional sports everybody thinks oh this is a job that's rainbows and rainbows and dandies no 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 that's a stressful job i mean like bro people are shouting at you in the crowd you got the players screaming at you it feels like everybody in the world for 3 hours just hates you for two and a half hours let's say Two hours, three hours, who cares? But for that amount of time that the game is on, everybody in the world just hates you. Can you imagine how that feels? Not even one person on either team, just both of them just hate you. The nerves that they feel, right? It's, I understand. It's a tough job. Like, it really is. But, you know, it's a tough sport. The players, what the players got to do. I mean, that was... Come back, Knicks are trying to come back, have one of their best wins of the season, but not able to because of a bad call. So, you know, you got to look a bit from both perspectives, you know. Both sides have a point, but it really should be fixed. All right, let's move on to the next one. The Bucks and Nuggets, last game of the night that we'll be talking about in the association after losing five of their first six games under new head coach Doc Rivers, including a 113-107 defeat at Denver in his debut in with Milwaukee, the Bucks have won two straight by a combined margin of 53 points. Very, very impressive. Um, you know, Doc Rivers got fired for head coach, or not got fired, he got hired after head coach Adrian Griffin got fired. And, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot of, um, it was a lot of everything from the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, uh, you know, everyone on social media was saying he got fired because, you know, Giannis didn't like him, you know, Giannis's team. Uh, not that Giannis didn't like him, I guess the team as, as a whole just didn't like him. Did a mesh with them, despite them having a 13, 30 and 13 record, being second in the Eastern Conference at the time. So they fire Adrian Griffin. You know, they say that they're not convinced that he's going to be the coach to help them win. The defensive schemes and everything that he got, they're not convinced that he's going to be the one to help them win. Okay, cool. They hired Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers comes in, and I mean, it did not start the best. It did not start well at all. They lost five of their first six games. Like I said, the first game was against Denver. Close one, but still, they lost. And now able to, I mean, now they're on a two-game win streak. You know, we've seen it early with the Clippers when they got James Harden. It takes a little bit of time for everybody to mesh with each other, right? Let's see if it happens the same with Milwaukee. 
Let's see if Doc Rivers is able to implement his style of play into the Milwaukee Bucks, and let's see if it's successful. Because although everybody wants to make jokes, everybody wants to make fun, this is Doc Rivers' last chance to be able to show that he can win with a bas- like be a winning basketball head coach again. Not just win regular season games, but go and win a championship. He's had the Clippers. He's had the the um the the Sixers. And now he has the Bucks. He's had great teams. He hasn't had to be able to rebuild or this and that. He's had superstar caliber players on his rosters while making some of these runs. He understands that it's his last chance as well. Even though he has a four-year contract, we've seen the the Milwaukee Bucks front office, even though this one, they're going to have to take a little bit more time with for sure. Because they're paying three head coaches at the same time right now, which is crazy to think of. <laughs> but they're not they're they're very trigger happy. They wanna win. They want Giannis to stay. Doc Rivers has to be able to show that he's able to win. So it's gonna be an interesting one to see. Going back on the game though. Giannis, really impressive, 36 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks, leading up this, I mean, filling up the score sheet, beating the Nuggets was uh, by 17. I mean, they had a great game there, even though Nikola Jokic had 29 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists, is not enough to help the Nuggets. I mean, two teammates left with injuries, Aaron Gordon. Left with a little injury. Michael Porter Jr. left with one as well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon that left. It was Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell-Pope that left. I wrote it wrong on my notes here. And, you know, that makes sense because, you know, not able to... You know, this is the second, this blowout of the reigning NBA champions is the most lopsided victory of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that follows a 120-84 route of the Charlotte Hornets. So this marks the first time in the season the Bucks have allowed fewer than 100 points in back-to-back games. Impressive, man. Impressive. That's, that's the thing for... For Bucks fans and the Bucks, uh, their defense, that's the one thing that I don't think everyone was convinced about with Adrian Griffin. Obviously, two-game sample span, two-game sample size, but impressive sample size, especially against the Milwaukee, I mean, against the Denver Nuggets. Something to be seen if they'll be able to keep it up, um, if they'll be able to defend like this on a consistent basis. We'll see. And the Nuggets losing their second in a row. They're playing three nights after they lost 135 to 106 to Sacramento. That snapped the three-game win streak. That real disappointing loss to Sacramento. I mean, this is two back-to-back disappointing losses for the Nuggets, despite the injuries. One of the top teams in the West, though, still, right? So as, as we churn on to the end of the season... We're going to have a lot more to talk about. It's going to be an interesting time with me. 
So be here with me. Keep tuning in. It's been your host, Isaiah Aneni, and it's been the Game Time Gazette. Tell your loved ones you love them. You know, you, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen today. Live life in the present. Don't live life in the past or just get sad. Don't live it in the future. You'll just get scared. Live it today. Have an awesome day. I love you all. Peace.